Morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is July 18th, 2021. We're having a really amazing weekend, aren't we? Look, this morning is Judah and Sasha's sixth wedding anniversary. Elder Charlie, that marked a lot of firsts, things that are forever in our future. That was the first time I ever heard a prophecy in tongue and interpretation at a wedding. Oh, yeah. Now they're commonplace. It's also the same time period that we first got the vision for the yellow region on that map. It's when it's the origins of the Aswan vision. What exciting times. Feels like all is right with the world. Andrew and Megan just enjoyed the very best night of sleep they've ever had. That's true. Where are you at, Chris Rosora? Oh, yeah. Chris Rosora is probably a little sore from his dance moves yesterday. And the hips. You single guys, got any single guys in the house? You're figuring out that you could use a little help from Bim? So that you can have some idea of what is and is not attractive on a dance floor. But I just want to say, at least things are starting to move in the right direction. As we get started this morning. I want to share with you one of my favorite songs from high school. You have to have a little mercy on me. I was in high school. It's by the Blue Oyster Cult. I've never been able to get away from that word cult. <laughs> now, they weren't immensely popular, so I want you to know they were an American rock band. Just a way to say we don't need any more British influence. Amen. They're from New York, and we won't hold that against them. In 1967, they burst on the scene. They're known for songs like Burning For You. And who could not like Godzilla? They sold 25 million records. We sound like a lot in those days. Now it's almost nothing. The song that I like best, it took 10 years for them to produce. I like oh. things that are in the germination stage yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Yes. I always like Don't Fear the Reaper. Because they wrote it to describe the kind of love that would transcend death. That was their stated goal. Well, they weren't really uh, Christian. In fact, even, even lost people might recognize that love that transcends death, well, it has a certain appeal, doesn't it? It appealed to me even as a lost young man. I was drawn to it. We want to play something for you. Do the wind. 
Now, I can see why this was such an appealing song for my friend. I mean, this entire song is about not fearing the process that is ahead. This is a call to a shared love where one person takes the hand of another person who's embracing the seasons, the trials, the difficulties that are right before them. I mean, you heard one of the phrases. It says, we can be like they are. I mean, I'm hearing that and I'm just thinking about it's really a cry for all of us to true discipleship. I mean, the Talmud that wants to become like their rabbi. I mean, a real, true Christian who wants to become exactly what Jesus is. I mean, it really is kind of crazy how lost men can stumble onto truths even when their processes are perverted. Well, it's because their hearts are perverted. But the core truth underlying their discovery remains true nonetheless. This is true of so many churches around us who distort discipleship and the entire discipleship process. But this perversion doesn't change the biblical mandate for a process that transforms us all. Can I get an amen in the house? Amen. You know, I have two fantastic brothers. I mean, these guys are scholars of the word. They love the word of God. They're filled with the spirit. So much that they're able to see the founding truth of discipleship in almost anything. Almost anything. Even this song. I, however, think of something altogether different when I hear this very song. In fact, I have another clip for you. Let's play this next video. Three, four. Lights. That's actually Andrew Hayes. Come in here for a second, please. That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. <laughs> so, let's take it again. And Gene, yeah. really explore the studio space this time. You got it, Bruce. I mean, really. Yeah. Explore the space. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. Roll it. One, two, three, four. We, we just wasted two good tracks. This last one was even better than the first. Well, it's just that I find Gene's cowbell playing distracted. I don't know. If I'm the only one, I'll shut up. No, it's pretty rough. You know, I can pull it back a little if you like. Not too much, though. I'm telling you, fellas, you're going to want that cowbell on the track. Three, four. Oh, we're good. That'd be good. Oh, yeah. Classic. Classic. Now you can, you can clearly visualize what was on my mind when I heard Don't Fear the Reaper. God, that, that's so much like haze, too. I can't, it's uncanny. Look, not only was this clip 
the very thought that I had. It probably more accurately describes the discipleship being done in just about any average church. The propensity to take minor truths and accentuate them to disproportionate measures, it then becomes a distraction, having instructors who have no idea what they're talking about, and making the situation worse. And something that could be both beautiful and serious becomes a parody and a joke. It's the truth. It's not a mistake that the English word discipleship has its roots in the word discipline. It is through this process of discipleship that the divine is developed in each of us. And it takes courage. It takes courage and discipline to face that very process. We do not need more cowbell church. We need more courage. Oh, yeah. We need more courage for the discipleship process. In fact, the title to today's message is Don't Fear the Razor. Ooh, say that with me. Don't fear. Don't fear. The razor. The, the razor. razor. You're going to want to turn to number six in your Bibles. And by the way, numbers in Hebrew is Bemidbar, and it means desert. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, Ooh, yeah. mm, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite. Look, when you're looking at this verse, we're talking about a special vow. And who doesn't want a special kind of relationship with the Lord, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this is everybody's goal that truly loves the Lord, isn't it? Oh, yes. yes. Absolutely. No, what, are y'all Buddhist? No. Is this everybody's goal who truly loves the Lord? Yes. yes. Well, the Nazarite dedication was initially shown through visible uninhibited growth oh yeah oh. i'm talking about they went all natural i mean spiritually speaking of spiritually. course okay i'm talking about grow it baby grow it show it baby let everybody see it the whole nazarite vow as special as it is is something that everybody else can see and praise you for we all enjoy these moments when it's visible. Yeah. And we, along with everybody else, like to see success that we can measure. Success that can be appreciated by us and maybe others <laughs> as growth. The thing is, is that's just one season. And the kingdom is achieved through seasons. Yeah. Plural. Yes. It doesn't stay that way. Outward invisible or else it wouldn't be true growth at least not inwardly let's take a look at verse 18 to see how you would enter into the nazarite vow then at the entrance to the tent of meeting the nazarite would shave off the hair no that symbolizes their dedication they are to take the hair and put it in the fire that is under the sacrifice of the shalem or the fellowship offering. Now, I know exactly what every bearded man in this room just said. You just said, what? What? I mean, it was at least internal. I heard it. Nobody is ever happy after shaving.
it forces a different kind of growth inside of us. It's one that can't be easily seen from the outside. It's actual, true growth, and it is inward, and this is what the Lord is doing. Number six also gives reference to another equal group of people that are special, sons of God. They're introduced with a very specific goal in mind, a predicted outcome. They are announced to the beginning as what they will be in the future. Let's look at number six, starting in verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites. That's incredible. And I will bless them. Look, the Levites are going to be able to put the Hashem onto the Israelites. Imparting the name, the character, the reputation, the very body of work that is the Lord. That is the eternal goal. But they will, like the Nazarites, go through seasons of visible and invisible growth in order to arrive at it. We want to give you a hint, church. The Levites don't fear the razor. I'm personally excited about this process. It's what I've been contemplating for days, but we need to introduce one more group of people to you first. So let's all turn to Numbers chapter 7. Somebody say razor. 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 In number 7, I'm going to pick up in verse 84. These were the offerings of the Israelite leaders for the dedication of the altar when it was anointed. Twelve silver plates. 12 silver sprinkling bowls and 12 golden dishes and a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) Skim down to verse 88. It'll kind of bring home what we're intimating. The total number of animals for the sacrifice of the fellowship offering came to 24 oxen, 60 rams, 60 male goats, 60 male lambs a year old. These were the offerings for the dedication of the altar After it was anointed. A brief survey of chapter 7 is literally filled with the Israelite people. Giving offerings from their resources of wealth and animals. This would be very much like you sacrificing your Toyota Tacoma. Or your Dodge Ram. Or or God forbid your Ford Super Duty. It represented the best. I mean the best. The best. Of what a home had produced. They placed them in the hands of their leaders. For the purpose of dedication in building the very altar of God. These outward signs of their home success. These offerings. They all faced the razor at the altar. They sacrificed them. This kind of sacrifice facilitates inward growth. You're compelled to face feelings of loss. Feelings of need. Concern about future provision. If I give this, then what about next month? Mm. This process assures that you are treasuring the things that matter in eternity and not the things that do not. See, we're now going to take a deeper look at the Levites. Everybody say Levites. Levites. 
Because they really do set a standard for all of us who are called to be priests in union with Messiah. Now, as we do, we've talked to you about three groups already, and we want to show this to you here on a slide. As we do, keep in mind that the three groups of people undergo a similar process to what we're about to detail with the Levites. It's the Nazarites that we've taken a look at. The Nazarites, the, these Nazarite vows are people who do not fear the razor. They're individuals. Then the Levites, they're a class, a group of people who don't fear the razor. And we can't wait to show you exactly what that's going to mean in chapter 8. And we have the Israelites who don't fear the razor as a group, as a community, as an entire nation of people. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 8, and we're going to see exactly how this plays out. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 5, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Levites from, I'm sorry, take the Levites from among the other Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. In verse 6, we see two very important commands that relate to the calling and the development of the Levites. First of all, priest after you take them you have to make them oh make them then this is the process of them developing into the priest that they were just called to be look how this continues in verse seven to purify them do this <laughs> oh yeah do this do this do this sprinkle the clean water of cleansing on them then make them shave their whole bodies Woo! and wash their clothes and so purify themselves. So we have three distinct things. You have sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Shave or use a razor on every area of their bodies. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Crevice. Yes. <laughs> then wash their clothes. Look, these are the areas that we feel led to discuss with you this morning. However... We want you to be familiar with the rest of the process that we will be building on in days to come. So let's finish this section. So we're laying some groundwork. Clearly, we're going to talk about the razor today. But we want to introduce some other elements you're going to see in coming sermons. Verse 8. Make them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. Then you are to take a second bull, second young bull for a sin offering. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community, you are to bring the Levites before the Lord, and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites, so that they may be ready to do the work Amen. of the Lord. Amen. In Numbers 8, 5 through 11, there are clearly seven defined steps in the process of developing the priesthood of God. We're going to introduce them to you now on a slide. Step one, take them. Take them. Step two, make them. Make, make them. them. You see this in the Newer Testament. Jesus selected disciples. He took them to him, and then he made them into something. Come on. The make them process, sprinkle, shave, wash, we'll be focusing on today. It goes on from there in items three through seven for a bull offering that is a voluntary tribute for a sin offering that is for any time your disciples miss or stray from the mark all the way out into 
an assembly in front of the whole Israelite community where they're put on display for inspection. In the sixth one, the Israelites are laying their hands on them, showing that they accept what God has done. In the seventh one, the Levites themselves become an offering from the people back to the Lord. We're going to teach on that process over the next few meetings. This morning, we want to focus with you really on steps one and two, just so that you can't miss it. This morning, we're going to be talking about that sprinkling the water of cleansing, shaving or using a razor on every area of your body. To, to introduce the idea of take them. I just want to show you one more slide. Abraham had to be taken out of Ur of the Chaldees. Moses had to be taken out of Egypt. Elisha had to be taken from the plows in the field. David had to be taken from tending Jesse's flock. Matthew had to be taken from his tax collecting booth. Peter, James, and John from their fishing boat. And Paul from the prestige of his position. Yeah. The Bible always starts with taking someone from somewhere to somewhere. And yeah. they're made in the process. Amen. Amen. The process of making a specially devoted priest. It always starts with selection. Take them. But that's the starting line. That's the initiation point, and it requires little more of you than, uh, okay, a response. <laughs> All of the hard work, the things that we tend to skip, that we want to avoid, or worse yet, fear. Well, they're in the next stage. In this house, we will not fear the razor. Say Amen. it with me. We, we will, will not, not fear, fear the razor. razor. Let's take a look at Numbers 8 and verse 7 to really dig in here. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then make them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes and so purify themselves. See, Pastor just spoke to you about being taken, the take them stage. This is the process of being made into what you've been called to. And it starts with the cleansing nature of the Word of God. Yeah. Having the Word of God applied to our lives in every area is step one of purification. Amen. But I mean, think about the term sprinkling. I mean, people don't usually uh, shrink back from a sprinkling. No! There's not much intimidation in getting sprinkled with something. It actually kind of sounds refreshing. It's kind of rejuvenating, relaxing. I'll take a sprinkle of that. Can I have some more sprinkles on this, please? Maybe okay. some chocolate sprinkles, some rainbow sprinkles, just some more sprinkles. But where you really start to grow, I mean, where you really want to show off. Oh, yeah. I mean, where you want to never shrink back is in the area of applying the razor to every area oh, of your body. Yes. I mean, every area. Yes. That's where the temptation to shrink back, to withdraw, or even shrivel up into hiding comes about in the most obvious of ways. Oh, man. <laughs> Look, Pastor mentioned uh, cleansing, right? Cleansing through the sprinkling of water. This can be seen as something that's fun. It's delightful, maybe refreshing. Think of it like a Levitical splash pad of sanctification. Just run through it. It's wonderful. There's no pressure washing of, you know, of what the sanctification process really is. Well, in addition to that, you got some putting on of clean clothes. Can I get an amen, single guys? Amen. 
showing yourself to be purified, it's rewarding. It's celebratory. Man, you got some nice duds that are happening. You now have an outward adornment to display. Like Treaster at the wedding in his black Oh, Western. man. I, I was jealous of that shirt. It was, it was tight. The most difficult of these three is dealing with the razor. I'm talking about shaving every area of your body from oh. head to toe. Not missing one crevice. Not overlooking one corner. Not bypassing one fold. If the command of God was to put the razor to every area, you might, you might have to stretch to reach every single one of those areas. Yeah. I'm talking about you may even need some assistance to reach those not-so-easy-to-reach areas. Just need a little help from your friend. These guys are already been circumcised, though. While you're enjoying that visual... Whether the razor is used in the covenant of circumcision with Abraham or in the circumcision of your heart in the Brit Hadashah, the razor always requires a vulnerability and dependence yes. that is altogether exposing and uncomfortable. This is where all of the hard work begins. I'm talking about the sculpting, the scalpel, the searing scriptural truths that must permeate your being. Removing the things that don't belong and revealing the divine nature that does. Yeah, amen. In a world where some are classified as growers and others as showers, we must make every effort not to be shrinkers in this kind of process. Amen. amen. It's necessary and beneficial in the making of specially devoted priests to engage in this process. The word of God is likened unto a sword in the scriptures. Which let's face it. That's really just a large razor isn't it? Yes. That razor doing its work announces a status change. A development of something new. Being made into a specially devoted priest like the son of God. Amen. Now when you really engage with this. When you really think through this. When you really think through how awkward this is to even think about it, much less to participate in it, you, you realize and you learn that it's exactly how Joseph was prepared for his role as savior in Egypt. I mean, he was called with his coat. That was the take them phase. Then he was put through painful trials in the pit, in Potiphar's house, and in the prison. This is the make them face. Yeah. I bet those trials felt like a razor was being used on his uh, <clears throat> privy parts. That's the King Jimmy hat translation. <laughs> <laughs> then he was called into the palace and put on his savior garments. Look at how all this is symbolized. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 41 and we're going to take a look at verse 14. Somebody say razor when you get there. Razor! Not the Motorola kind that we had in, in 2000 yeah. that everybody wanted, the silver one. Uh, Not that I kind. Had, yeah, I had that one. <laughs> Genesis 41 and verse 14. It says this. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. 
See, if you don't understand this razor process that we're talking about, the pattern of being made into something, you would think that he was just called from the prison to the palace and made into a savior. But this perspective ignores, it shrinks back, it shrivels up, it even recoils from the decades-long process of the razor in painful trials and toils that Joseph endured. See, in this case that we're reading about, we're looking at the culmination, the launching, the release, and even this required another razor, another shaving in Joseph's life. The truth is, is that there are many times where the process of the razor must be applied to our lives and it is good, yes. beneficial, yes. and it results in eternal glory. Amen. As beautiful as every story in the Tanakh is, the Newer Testament really does emphasize this point with razor sharp clarity. In this house, we don't fear the razor. Say that with me. Don't fear the razor. So let's look at Acts chapter 14. Are you there? We don't want you shrinking back from this truth like frightened little turtles. Get to Acts 14 and say razor when you're there. Come on, left side of the room. I didn't hear you guys. You guys there, razor? There we go. Starting in verse 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Look, this phrase in this passage, we must go through many hardships, it's been preached on since the dawn of time. In fact, it can be boring because it's been preached on. So we must, we must, we must. Okay, we know. We got it. Unfortunately, it is often viewed in the way that a razor is viewed. And this is what I mean. If I have no choice, then I will have a surgery, which involves a razor. There is something so much more beautiful in this passage, in this 70-sided gem that we want to show you. Do y'all want to turn the 70-sided stone? Yeah. Do y'all want to see something new in a verse that it is familiar to you? Yeah. Yes. So we'll start with looking at this word must and what is, how it's translated. Let's pull up our first slide. It's the Greek word day, meaning it is necessary or to be necessary. I don't know about you, but most of us don't like to be forced or told what we must do that therefore is an obligation. It's easy to imagine our joy uh, shriveling up, our joy shrinking back from that kind of mandated obligation. However, when you start to view something as necessary, that can bring a different kind of feeling and understanding and engaging what's being asked. It is necessary for my development. It will produce something better in me. It's good for me to go through this razor process. There's an end goal in mind. This may be closer to what the very first century found encouraging in this verse. That trials and tribulations are necessary for my development. Everybody say necessary. Necessary. Necesito. Man, it brings stark clarity of how we are to engage the difficulties that we go through. Well, when we study this, there's 106 usages of this word day in the Newer Testament. 
But we want to show you another slide that shows the sense in which it's used. As you can see in this slide, the top half of the circle, the top or the 50% of its usages are described as something in the sense of being an obligation or to be obligatory. The remaining half is the sense of something to be necessary. So let, let's, get, let's get this straight. The translators are not unjustified in saying we must in this passage. Because in some sense, that is true. It may be more encouraging to come to the conclusion that it is necessary for you to undergo the razor. Necessary for you to experience that razor-like tribulations and trials because of what it develops you into. Namely, developing you into a special priest of God. Amen. Young's literal translation, it captures this concept in a way that captured your pastor's hearts this week. So let's show you this next slide of the Young's literal for Acts 14, 21 through 22. Having proclaimed good news also to that city and having discipled many, they turned back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting to remain in the faith, and that through many tribulations it behooveth us, behooveth us to enter the reign of God. This is speaking to us this morning, church. This is speaking to you. that We do not fear the razor because we know that it behooves us. It benefits us. It develops us into the specially dedicated priest that we are all called to be. Do you see the difference between viewing difficulty as an obligation and viewing it as necessary for your development? That's a shift that allows you to move away from fear of that razor-like process and into embracing the process. Amen. Please turn with me to 1 Peter. And as you're turning, I want to remind you of some things you've gleaned from number six through eight. It's the reason that we introduce them as we're going to build on them as we go. If you could put that slide. Nazarites, they're the individuals who shave their heads. Levites, the class of people that shave their bodies. Israelites, this is the whole nation who shaved the resources. See, yeah. when you're a specially devoted person, as many of you in here are, You don't fear having your minds purified by trials because those trials only focus you on eternity. Amen. When you're especially devoted people, you don't fear having your whole body purified by trials because they focus us on the goals of eternity. Especially devoted people don't fear having their resources or their whole households undergo purification by trial. Because they know it is developing them and their households into what Christ is. We don't fear a razor. We know what it makes us into. Amen. Are you in First Peter? Yes. Pick up with me in chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 8. Y'all don't find it cold in here, do you? I was worried. Y'all seem to be shrinking back from the concept a little bit. And I just want you to grow in Christ. I want you to stand up proud. Show it off. First Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. 
looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Amen. Standing firm in the faith. Yeah. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In this house, you are specially called, just like the Nazarites, the Levites, and the Israelites. Your devotion, well, it'll be challenged in your minds. It'll be challenged in your bodies. It'll be challenged in your households by an enemy that is set on opposing every stage of this process. It's true. I got news for you. He can't stop us. Amen. Amen. If we don't fear the razor, then in fact, he will flee from us. Amen. Every person called. Say every person. Every Every person. person. Will they undergo, according to this verse, the same kind of sufferings? Not the same sufferings. My wife's been through labor several times. I once ate bad Mexican food. (laughs) The same kind of sufferings. Not the same sufferings. It's the same process to produce priests across all people of God. Yeah. It's kind of like the razor must shave your whole body and even the whole corporate body of Messiah to develop us into what Jesus is. This kind of shaving, it has a way of eliminating the superfluous and it takes the called and makes them into called priests and sons of God. Let's pick up in verse 10. And the God of all grace... Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. Come on. Mm. Will himself restore you. Yeah. And make you strong. Yeah. And firm. Oh, yeah. And steadfast. And when you're engaging with this verse, the God of all grace should be understood as the God of all impartation of blessing and favor. I want you to understand something. Grace is not forgiveness. That's a modern lie. That's not correct at all. What grace is, is divine spiritual influence to do his will. The amplified version of this verse attempts to capture that thought. Let's put it on the screen for you. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessings and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself complete you and make you what what you ought to be establish and ground you securely strengthen and settle you amen in this verse God is identified as the one who called you who took you what did he call you to well he called you to his own eternal glory in Christ In other words, it goes like this. The God of all divine spiritual influence called you to be his eternal glory in Christ. He called you and he enables you to become what his son is. Amen. Not just be saved by him. Become what he is. Let's go back to the NIV for just a minute. This would be verse 10. I want to finish this thought in the NIV. And the God of all grace... Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while. Will himself restore you. Make you strong. Firm. And steadfast. Stop thinking about this verse as a temporary sickness. Stop thinking about this as you have a cold. But you'll you'll be raised up. Start thinking about this verse as the process of development. That all believers must go through. 
to develop them into what is Christ. And then after you have that, say, no, it's not that I must, it's necessary. Amen. So how does, how do you become what you're called to be? The verse is so clear. After you have suffered. Yeah. After you have gone through many cycles of benefit through the razor's shaving. We don't fear the razor in this house. No. Because it's how God is making us into priests. Hallelujah. Amen. This razor process, it accomplishes restoration, according to the verse, restoring your purpose. But there's three other very divine, beautiful things in the verse. You ready for them? Yep. Yeah. It'll make you strong, yeah. not impotent. It'll make you firm, yeah. not flaccid in your faith. It'll make you steadfast. Amen. Not a sterile Christian incapable of reproducing what you're supposed to be. Come on, are you hearing how good this word is for us today? See, this process of facing rather than fearing the razor, it's been set forth in an example of men who've gone before us. These were men who were strong and firm and steadfast. Take a look at this slide as we continue to develop it. We want to remind you here, the Nazarites, these are individuals who shaved their heads and therefore were given and implemented with strong convictions. The Levites, a class of people who shaved their bodies. They were firm in their calling. The Israelites, a nation who shaved their resources and became steadfast in sacrifice. Amen. I mean, think about it for a minute, churches. We leave these on the screen for just a second. Can you find a, a man with stronger convictions in the Bible than the Apostle Paul? I mean, can you even think about that? Because he took a Nazarite vow and he faced the razor in Acts chapter 18 and verse 18. He did exactly what yep. we've been talking to you about from the book of Numbers. Think about in the Levites. Can you find a man who was more firmly established in his calling than Barnabas? Man, maybe outside of this group, nobody even hardly knows who Barnabas is. But this was a man, a special man, who was firm in his calling. Because he was a Levite who understood the process and personally faced the razor many, 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 many times. And you could see that in Acts chapter 4. Can you find a man more steadfast in his sacrifice than Jesus? Because he was an Israelite who faced the razor setting and he set us an example in every single way. I mean, think about it. This, your mind should be already drifting here. Think about what Hebrews 12 says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean, church? That means he knew what the razor-like test would produce in him. Before he got into it, he understood that it was necessary even for him, and it allowed a joyfulness to come in as he began facing it. He literally, he literally wore a crown of razor-sharp thorns. Precisely because he knew it was achieving for him an eternal crown of glory. See, church, we have to follow this example. We have to do it wholeheartedly. It is necessary, and it should be joyful inside of us. Amen. We would say it would behoove us to follow his example. It would benefit and develop us. It would behoof like you if you don't. <laughs> 
Look, on this topic of after you have suffered a little while, you'll be made strong, firm, and steadfast. This is exactly what 2 Corinthians 1 begins to speak about. So everybody turn with me to 2 Corinthians 1. We'll start in verse 3. Say razor whenever you get there. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, we don't fear the razor because it is in facing the difficult that we develop the divine. We then have something to deliver to our brothers that came from God, that divine that we have received. This is something we must do, but moreover, what was moreover. that? But moreover, it is something that is necessary, necessary to develop the nature of Christ in us, in one that is strong, firm, and steadfast. Let's pick up in verse 5. Are y'all doing okay? Yeah. You, you starting to catch what we're talking about? For just as we share abundantly. Yeah. Usually abundantly is a good thing, isn't it? For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. Let that settle in on you for a moment. Not just tasting of, not just sharing abundantly. In the sufferings of Christ. So also our comfort abounds through Christ. Yeah. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. Come on. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Which produces in you <laughs> patient endurance yeah. of the same sufferings we suffer. Do you hear how universal this is in the body of Christ? Yeah. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. See, we don't fear the razor because the sufferings of Christ produce the comfort of Christ in our lives. And... In the lives of those we minister to. You simply can't give somebody something that you don't have. Mm. And when it's theory to you, it has no effect on the other person. Yeah. Love us, hate us. The truth is, is we only give what we have. That's true. And you can see that it's sincere. It's why we can be a sign spoken against just like our Christ. And we don't mind at all. Amen. You know why? We're receiving the comforts of Christ. Yeah. We love the razor in this house. The text does have a qualification in it though. The text declares that the razor produces endurance and firmness. But then comes the qualification. It is necessary to share in the sufferings. The shaving of the razor. If you're going to share in the comfort and glory of Christ. The only way to get to comfort, glory, to get to what Christ is. Is to joyfully enter in to the razor-like process. Oh, what you word. start to view as an obligation becomes something that you yeah. then see is necessary for your development. And then as pastor said, it starts to become 
a joy set before you. Yes. We don't fear the razor because we know what the process develops in us. We get to become like Jesus. Amen. That's a great joy. It is. Church, we have some more steps for you here. Turn with us to Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14. Today, based on who you are and how you're progressing in the kingdom, you might hear some different things from what we're saying. But you're you gonna... might only hear one thing from what we're saying, and you need to get saved. If all you can hear is the homiletic, you need to get saved, and that's okay. There's an altar for that. Those of you with ears to hear, though, there's a lot deeper message than what we use to get your attention. Yeah. Hosea chapter 2, and we want you to, to really plug into this in verse 14. It says this. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert, into the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her. There, I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There, she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. In verse 14, we are seeing the word that God is going to allure. He's going to entice, to persuade. And listen to another viable meaning of this word. He's going to seduce his people to come out into the desert. There is a longing. He's saying, I know what you need and I'm calling to you. I'm alluring you. I'm seducing you to be in the process that yeah. you must be in. He's yeah. calling us into Amen. the desert. You don't run away from it because he's trying to actually allure us today into it. Think of the difference between seeing it as an obligation to go and meet with him or feeling that the whole process was alluring and you're drawn to it. It's enticing to you and you can't have. I mean, it's like I felt about Miss Jennifer when I first met her. Still feel that way about her. How do you feel about what Messiah has destined for your development? Do you want to jump to the end? Or is the whole process of your development alluring? Yeah. Because every Nazarite, every Levite, every Israelite, Faces the razor. Yeah. That razor development process is the desert and it's what he's alluring us into. What a different, different message for us to get down in our souls today. And what does he do when you're in the desert? He then begins to speak tenderly Amen. to you. The literal words in the Hebrew there are he speaks to the heart. It is devar leave. He is putting his word in your heart. His word is speaking to your heart. That's what he does when you're out in the desert. After yeah. you've been enticed and allured to the place where God can develop you in such a special way. Yeah. In such an intimate way. As it goes forward in verse 15, you find that the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, 
The valley of the razor process. We're not talking about just a step. We're talking about an entire valley that you must work through and walk through repeatedly. A valley of trouble. Not just a day of trouble. Not just a troubling thought or troubling moment, but a moment, but an entire valley there. And what happens in the valley of trouble? It becomes a door of hope in Amen. your very life. Amen. Come on, somebody. It is when your razor-like trouble becomes your very hope of development. Amen. Why? Because it is the hope that you are becoming what you were always called to be. Man, consider the razor development process that we've covered today. And I want you to listen to me. I want you to walk with me through this in your mind and in your heart right now. In Acts 14, we went from must to necessary so that the process is encouraging to you. Man, if you leave here today and only hear that you must endure the trials, then you're missing a lot of other beautiful things that we've actually walked you through. In Acts 14, we went from that must to necessary, and it's a process to encourage you. In Hebrews 12, we went from scorn and shame to seeing it as a joy that is set before us because we saw that in Christ. In Hosea, we went from a valley of trouble to a door of hope for our future, for what we will become, for what the process will result in us in. And all of this takes place. In the context, in the setting, in the backdrop of a razor-like process, and that is called the desert. Or in Hebrew, it's the word Midbar. So we're going to pick back up right where we first started the message. Let's all turn to Numbers chapter 8. We'll go to verse 11. We're turning to the book of Midbar. You know what's so... So important about what pastor just walked you through. It is solving the default of how we approach trouble. When you have a must perspective, you grit and bear it. But when you have a door of hope perspective, there is an abundance of joy as you go through an abundance of yeah. hardships. Yeah, I can see on your faces, you guys are tracking with us, but it's almost like you're gritting and bearing for what's coming next that I must suffer. We want joy to come out of your heart. There's a door of hope in front of you this morning. Let's look at verse 11. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Look, I want you to recall something. Remember, this is after they've gone through cleansing. After they've gone through decades of the razor process. And now they are fully clothed priests whose lives are strong in their convictions. Firm in their callings. Steadfast in their sacrifice. Their lives are now a sacrifice and offering to the very service of the Lord. Let's bring this slide back up. We want to remind you. Nazarites, those are individuals who shave their heads, have strong convictions. Look, I want to speak to you. Are you a specially devoted man who has thoughts about this whole process? Things you may even need to ask a discipler to help with. 
Things that need to be stretched, exposed, and shaved away so that you arrive at strong convictions. That can happen at this altar if you don't fear the, re the razor. For Levites, this is a class of people who shave their bodies. Are you in a specially selected class of people but are concerned and insecure about the timing and nature of your calling? Perhaps showing moments of brilliance in your workplace, followed by deplorable moments in the very same workplace. You may even need to ask a discipler to help with. You need things to be stretched, exposed, and shaved away so that you can arrive at a firm calling. This can happen at this altar if you don't fear the razor. For the Israelites, a nation who shaved their resources. Are you an especially called community? Dedicated to bringing the kingdom of God to earth, but perhaps are protecting your home's resources. I'm talking about your time, your finances, and even your children. You may have moments of great sacrifice, but need to develop a life of steadfast sacrifice. You may need to ask a disciple to help you with this. These are things that need to be stretched, exposed, and shaved away so that you arrive at a life of steadfast sacrifice. This can happen at this altar today if you don't fear the razor. Pastor, when you really think about it, the altar is a valley of trouble, but it's a valley of trouble for your flesh. Yeah. You face the razor at the altar. Because every time you are here, something needs to be shaved off. It needs to die. But the altar is also a door of hope. Yeah, it it's a door of hope for your future. Because this is a part of the process of developing the divine in you as a disciple. Undoubtedly, some of you will feel like you must come to this altar. Some of you may feel like it's necessary for you to come to this altar. It's our hope for you that it is your joy to embrace this altar and this process. Because this process is our only hope of becoming what Jesus is. We endure things that are difficult for us. And in that, he strengthens and comforts and encourages Amen. us. And we walk away with something we didn't have before. Amen. Church, you need to get your minds right. You need to get your bodies right. You need to get your households right. This altar is the place to do that. Father, we thank you for the chance. To come into this house and embrace your process with great joy. Lord, the truth is, is that we love your ways. We love your wages and we love your word. Come and use your razor sharp word on the soft places of our hearts. That we might walk away and be like you. Lord, we ask that what happens at this altar is that parts die so that we can walk away. And have life that is truly life. Spirit of God, come and move upon this.
this congregation prepare us prepare us to be what the prophecy said the warriors that you've called the bride that you've called prepare us here lord help us now